um, has has probably accepted the Lord. But the grace is found, and that's the foundation for Noah's faith here. Okay, it's the foundation of how um, every everything follows from that point on. When God warns. Uh, when God warns Noah, it's because he has found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And, and we see that judgment is coming. And I would say the same thing. Is judgment coming? Well, of course it is. Uh, you know, after, you know, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. At some point, every person that walks on the face of the earth is going to have judgment. So I'm trying to draw a comparison between Noah and each and every one of us, right? Judgment is coming. Look at, at Genesis 6 and verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. There is coming a point where God will execute his judgment, and it's not going to be stopped. It's literally the, the, the strongest freight train coming down the tracks. It's not going to jump off. It is coming. It will not be stopped. So because Noah found grace and because we know judgment is coming, he can see that he actually receives the covenant. The covenant is received, and I put a parenthetical, through faith, which led to action. That's why Noah is in Hebrews chapter 11. That's the reference is that through faith, okay, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen, even though he didn't understand it, he was moved with fear, right? So the covenant was received. Look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 18. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Okay? So he's establishing the covenant is uh, by definition conditional. This covenant is by definition conditional because they have to get in the ark. Now, God in his foreknowledge knows that they will. So he lays that down and says, thou shalt, you know, you're going to get in the ark. You're going you're gonna to build it and you're going to get in the ark. And there is a great sense of comfort and confidence in that. I am quite certain that these words resonated in Noah's ears for the hundred years that it took for him to build the ark. That's not, that's not, I get bored. I, I don't know if you've ever seen like a movie or a cartoon or whatever, where it seems like that person's just like cannot believe how long it's been. They look at their watch, it's been 15 minutes or five minutes or whatever, right? They, they've been at work for what seems like, you know, they're playing cards or playing the whatever, and they look at their watch and it's only been a few minutes, right? I can't imagine, I literally, I'm laying this out there. I don't know that I got the character to do something for a hundred years. I, I, my, my attention span is not that good. At some point, I bet I would have given up. I'm, I'm willing to bet you all would have, have, have as well. But in, I, again, I don't know this, but I am sure that resonating in Noah's ears, you will get on the ark. Which means you will complete the ark. Right? It's going to happen. Have any of you been to, is it Kentucky? Yeah. Kentucky to been been to the Ark yeah. Encounter. It, I, I, you know, I'm not uh, not advertising for it, but if you're looking for a uh, a neat, um, I guess I'll call it vacation getaway, going to the replica Ark, it's it gives you an appreciation. It would take a hundred years for four, for 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 four guys to build it. It would take a while. 
right? Um, but Noah had to receive the covenant through faith, which then led to his action. It led to his action to build, and it led to his action, and we'll see that more, to actually get in. But notice in Psalm 19, verse 9 through 11, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Colon, the judgments of the Lord are right, true, and righteous altogether. Some of you may be singing in your head, and I'm trying to read it in a way that is not the song. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. Okay? And let's we're gonna camp on that warning. And keeping of them is great reward. Literally, this, I don't know that. That is the psalmist. I assume this is the psalm of David. I didn't look, but uh, as this as this is being penned, I don't think they're you know projecting Noah. I don't think they're thinking of Noah, but it literally it is it is a parallel to Noah. The fear of the Lord is a clean thing. That is something that drives us. It shouldn't be something that causes us to cower. It should cause us to build an ark. Like literally, it's clean and it's enduring forever. And even the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, meaning there is a way through them. Okay? And God's good. We're going to see more, more about this as we continue in our study this morning. But literally, we can embrace the judgment if we know the way of salvation. We can, we can literally embrace it. And then look at verse 11 again. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. Years ago, somebody you know, likened sharing the gospel to someone walking down, two people walking, one person walking on railroad tracks and the person that's saved not walking on railroad tracks. And if you were walking and you heard a train coming and you said to your friend, now would be a good time to get off the tracks. No, I'm good. No, you, you don't understand. A train is coming. It, there, it, I can see it. It's getting closer. You need to get off the tracks. No, I'm fine the way I am. I don't believe in trains. I don't, you know, whatever, you know, put in your little illustration of the gospel in there. At some point, your message is going to get more emphatic, right? Mm -hmm. And at some point... I guess to, to follow the illustration, you would tackle that person. You would grab them and pull with everything you had. Now, I will admit, I don't share the gospel that way, and I probably should. I probably should. But knowing the judgment of the Lord is coming, we should look at those and warn them. You warn people you care about, right? I mean, there was, there was a, a, an event this week, and it's kind of irrelevant, uh, it, you know, the, the details of it. But I remembered thinking, not my monkey, not my circus. I don't know if anybody else has that, like, has that phrase uh, that bounces around in your brain, like, not going to get involved in it because it's not my monkey and not my circus, right? I, I didn't feel compelled to warn that. And it wasn't spiritual at all. It was a stupid event at a store. But, but my point is, you don't interject yourself in situations you don't care about, right? God cared enough about Noah to warn him. And we should care enough about the lost to warn them. So it brings us to our first relationship rule. Relationship rule number one for today's lesson. Family leadership needs to listen to the Lord. The stakes are high. The stakes are very high. They are eternal in nature. So family leadership, moms, dads, um, you know, whatever that uh, relationship is, whether it's biological or adopted or any, any, the family leadership 
needs to 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 capture this. The 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 the, the stakes are high, and I think I might have the the notes a little bit wonk there, so I apologize. So create conditions for the you know I didn't include that here. Create conditions for the salvation of your home. Create conditions for the salvation of your home. And that's what, that's what Noah does. And so he's moved with fear, and he prepares the ark. So he builds, and he convinces, and he enters, right? Now, we'll look at each of those. So hopefully you're still in Genesis uh, chapter 6, and we'll jump to, to 7. But look in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 22. Thus did Noah according to all that the Lord commanded him. So did he. Now, if you look back through it, it's the how he built it is you know starting in verse 14 and and 15 and 16 and then all of the animals and and in the later uh, teens and early 20s gathering the food and all of that he did that according to the all that God commanded him so did he so he he built he moved with fear and that caused him in this case to prepare an ark and he convinced at some point there was a discussion that had to be had with each son with the wife and presumably either through his sons or directly to his daughter-in-law's um, daughters-in-law that 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 God had spoke to him, that judgment is coming, and that safety was only going to be in that ark. He had to convince them. And, you know, every version of Noah's ark story that you've ever seen, whether it's uh, whether it's a cartoon, whether it's a, uh, you know, uh, what was the one after Bruce Almighty? Uh, Evan Almighty? Evan, Almighty? Uh-huh. Evan, Evan Almighty, right? Whether it's the, the one that was really out there a few years ago that was about Noah. Like, every, every version of the story I've ever seen, people doubt Noah, right? Which, I mean, it makes sense. People are going to mock him for building some building a boat to go through something that has never gone never been gone through before right water coming up from the ground and coming uh coming down from the sky to the to the extent that it would he had to have convinced them whether it was through his relationship or through his words or just through his um through his uh just very nature but look at verse so look at chapter 7 and verse 5. Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. But jump down to verse 7. And the words of Scripture are very important. And this is why Sam touched on it today regarding the King James. I didn't contrast it here in other versions of the Scripture. But this is why it's important. Look at this. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. He didn't bring them in. He didn't take them in. He went in and they went in. Okay? The scripture is very plain here. It's very clear. They went in of their own volition. This was not, he did not drag them. He was not, uh, who is it? The, uh, was it William Carey? No. Somebody dragged their wife to the mission field by their hair. I don't remember which. It, was it William Carey? I think uh, it might have been Adder, Adder, um, no, Wedden Judson. Okay. But, um, but so literally he didn't drag them in. He went in 
and they went in of their own volition. He convinced them. And then he entered. Obviously, we saw that. But look at verse uh, 13. Uh, <clears throat> in the selfsame day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of the sons with them into the ark. So God doubles down on it, on the communication and the recounting here. To be very clear, these people went in of their own volition. So he was moved to prepare these kind of conditions, right? And this led to the saving, the saving, um, the saving of his house. So in in, in uh, Acts uh, on your on your page in Acts eleven fourteen, who shall tell thee words and whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? In Acts sixteen thirty one, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Like there's not some weird doctrine going on there where one person accepts Christ and it and it transfers uh, to to the other individuals. That's not there's not some weird uh, you know. Uh, transfer of salvation the point is when one person gets saved it should be so real it should be so evident especially if it's the leader of the household that the household will surely follow okay not a guarantee each person makes their own decision that's why there's examples of this and it's not a rule in scripture people make decisions all the time children by definition anybody who makes a decision not to follow the lord is a child of someone else right so you know it is by nature what it is but we have to create these conditions right and so relationship rule number two when the consequences of your inactions hurt others you must act according to the word so if i don't do something and that leads to the hurting of my family, just to use this, I have to then act, I need to then act according to the word, because, which is what I should have done before, but if I don't act, there will be consequences, okay? I have to, I guess you could call it react to that situation, but not react like reactionary, but react, okay? So the consequences of your actions can hurt others. So you need to act according to the word. And so this led to the condemnation of the world. And again, if you look back and, and it's at the top of your page, Hebrews 11, verse 7, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of the things not, yet, uh, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world. The he here is not referring to God. Okay? The the syntax of of the of the of the sentence with the semicolon could you could lead you to believe that 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 he's referencing the of God portion of the verse, but that doesn't work because he became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. That is clearly pointing to Noah. Noah condemns the world, and you say, well, "Wait a second! How did Noah condemn the world? Because he was a, a you know, a preacher of righteousness, right? He he had he built the ark. Well, look back at Genesis seven and verse sixteen. Notice in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 16, and they that went in, male and uh, went in male and female all of all flesh, as God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Okay, the Lord shut him in. 
that's the point at which a form of judgment has occurred. Okay, the judgment's coming, the form of rain, but the Lord shut Noah and his household in. Okay, Noah didn't shut the door. Okay, Noah didn't shut the door, but by him being in, God was able to shut the door. Okay, if God had, and this is a ridiculous statement, so bear with me, had God shut the door before Noah got in, that would be patently unfair, right? It would break the viol, it would violate his words that he would that he would pr protect them through the ark, right? It would it would literally make God a liar if God had shut the, the door before Noah went in. But by God shutting the him in, Noah condemned the world. And I know that's gonna it's a little bit, but just bear with me. So I think. I'm not sure I got this on the, on the slide, so I apologize. Uh, is, is it on the on your notes? In order for yeah. okay, and so I apologize. I had a couple errors here. So in order for God to condemn, that's the the line. In order for God to condemn, He has to provide a way of salvation. That's a rule that generally applies anywhere through Scripture. Now, it doesn't always apply at an individual level, but it applies what they call dispensationally. There's At every dispensation, there's always a way of salvation. Okay? So, for God to condemn, he provides a way of salvation. We even see that when God is repented and he's sorrowful that he made man and put him on the earth, right? And that he was hurt by that, he yet still provides a, a way of, of, uh, of salvation. And by providing a way of salvation, men condemn themselves by not joining. Okay? So this is how Noah, quote, condemns the world. He condemns the world by the fact that he actually got in the ark. Because that means anyone could have gotten in the ark. Right? You guys with me? So now look at the verses on your page. Matthew 12, 41 to 42. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation. It's interesting. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. The men of Nineveh, so this is Jesus talking, the men of Nineveh are going to condemn the people walking the earth with Jesus because they repented at the preaching of Jonas or Jonah and behold a greater than Jonas is here. So because the men of Nineveh believed that means the message is believable. Okay? The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. He, so he doubles with the, the second illustration. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So men, according to Romans chapter 2, chapter 1, are without excuse because the message is out there. The message is out there. They are literally without excuse. Whether the message through nature, whether the message through spoken word, men are without excuse. And they are condemned of themselves. Okay? Because, in this example, Noah got in the ark. And because in current day, we believe on Christ, 
that creates the condemnation. So John 3, 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but he might through the, the er, but that the world through him might be saved. Why? Because they condemn themselves already. John 8, uh, 11, she said, no man, Lord, right? And no man condemn thee. And he said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The condemnation is, the, is on us because of our unbelief or because of our inaction. So, relationship rule number three, by following the Lord or following the Lord by its nature will create separation. Embrace it. Now, that is not meant to be an isolationist kind of statement. That is not meant to say, us, we're saved and no more. Yea, there is room. Like, people can be saved and can join us. But what we need to do is embrace the separation. Noah didn't try to stop the door from closing. Noah preached his message, according to scripture. He did what he was supposed to do. He followed the Lord and trusted that God was at work and trusted that God is just. He did his part and he embraced it. Again, that doesn't mean you're not one of us, so stay out kind of approach. That's not at all what I mean by embracing it. Okay, so we embrace it. And the last here in the last few minutes is he inherited righteousness. And this, if there's anything I want you to get today, it's the points that we're going to cover right now. Because of the relationship, all of this really, you could argue, is my introduction. Wow, you say, okay, that's a long introduction. He inherited righteousness. He entered a new world. So if hopefully you're still in Genesis. Now look at chapter 8 and verse 16. Go forth, well, in verse 15, and God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Right? So go ahead and leave, uh, bring forth, etc., all the, the animals. And Noah, in verse 18, went forth, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. So he entered into a new world. Okay, so this is literally following, we are going to follow the same pattern. We are going to enter into a new world. And he engaged in a new way. Now jump all the way over to chapter 9 and verses 8 and 9. Okay. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. Did anybody catch that? God is no longer just speaking to Noah. Up to this point, all of his communications have been to Noah, and it's been Noah's job to pass it on. But look at verse 9, or I'm sorry, verse 8. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying. So literally, they had to believe the message of Noah. They survived the flood, and then, then at that point, God starts speaking to them directly too. And the promise is now no longer just to Noah. He didn't say, and God spake unto Noah, behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. He says it to the sons. So by definition, speaking it to Noah would have applied, but God takes the opportunity to speak to the sons and says to them, behold, I establish my covenant with you individually and with your seed after you. So, there, so this new way is really, really important. 
I don't know if anybody referenced Mandalorian there when I when I threw that up, but maybe you did. But it exemplified this new promise. It exemplified the new promise. In verse uh, chapter chapter nine, starting in verse twelve, and God said, "This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you, Noah, and every living creature that is with you." Happens to include his family. How? For perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, and that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And uh, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. So literally, he's living in this promise. He's exemplifying this new promise that now no longer just applies to him. So we've seen how Noah went into, he, he was moved with fear. Right? He believed God about something that had never even happened before. He was moved with fear and built an ark. And he convinced his family to join him in there. They survived the flood. They come out of the ark. And now a new covenant is given. And now a new covenant is given. So this brings us to our last relationship rule, tra- number four. Transferring your relationship with the Lord to your children is precious do not shy away from it. Now, I have heard so many people, my, I'm, I'm sure I've said it. I certainly have heard Sam say it. You cannot live your faith out in your kit. Like you cannot put it, you cannot put it into a syringe and inject it into your kids. Like that's not how it works. It has to be theirs, okay? It has to be theirs. But do not shy away from transferring your relationship with the Lord to your kids. It's part of the job. It's part of the nature of of being a parent. Don't shy away from it. Don't don't allow just the church to parent your kids. I mean, there's a lot of good people here. There's a lot of people in the in the in the in, in kid town ministry and in the youth ministry, junior high and high school, that I do implicitly trust with my kids. And I mean with their spiritual development. Okay? But they are not going to do it alone. I have to embrace this as part of my job. As the arrow, or as the fowler, right? As I draw back the arrow and I have to release or released really at this point, Marshall, right? And as I'm still pulling back the bow on man or the uh, the string on Manning, I have to trust that the things that we have invested in them are right and appropriate. We should not shy away from that. So look at this. Oh, uh, dang it! I, boy, I've had uh, PowerPoint issues. So Second Peter, this is um, boy, this something's not is it. Oh my goodness! This that's the wrong version. That's the problem. I apologize. So uh, there's a version sitting on my computer that's more updated than this. Second Peter chapter two and verse five. He spared not. God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Notice Noah's position. He's the eighth. He wasn't the first. He wasn't the first person of eight. He was the eighth. 
God literally puts this the order through through Peter in his second epistle literally puts the order of importance puts Noah last as the eighth person. If you are I mean if you go back and look at all the other all the references we've already looked at this morning in Genesis, it's all about Noah. Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, right? I mean it's all that's like literally how it reads almost every time. Yet from a New Testament perspective, Noah was the eighth person, not the first. Why? Because of his investment in his family. Because of his because he knew the importance of investing. He knew the importance of saving them through his testimony, through his faith, through being moved, being warned and moved and preparing an ark. So, I mean, we talk about Noah and the ark. And, and if you, again, if you go to the ark experience, uh, isn't that what they call it? Ark encounter. Ark encounter. encounter. Uh, they spend, they have little areas, you know, it's kind of like a museum on the inside. Where you can, uh, you you know, they have little areas that kind of represent what each son and and their wives would have, you know, maybe looked like from a from a uh, ethnicity standpoint uh, and that sort of thing. But it's important. It's important to know that all eight were there. All eight played an important role. Okay, and um, Noah. It's not. It's not just Noah and the ark. There were eight souls in that in that uh, in that boat. So uh, I hope this was a blessing today. Again, I apologize for some of the clunkiness on the on the PowerPoint. I uh, commit to do better. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the day. Um, we thank you for the plainness of the message that you shut Noah in. That through that he condemned the world because he accepted it. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the principle that Noah went in and those also went in with him they didn't they weren't forced in and, and lord that as a result of the the flood and the experience the 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 sons were able to connect with you personally and and embrace the covenant themselves and so lord i just pray that you help us uh through our relationships in, in this case most notably with our family uh that we invest the right way uh, that we do it with the, an adherence to your word and, and listening and guidance from your holy spirit Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for uh, the lessons that we can learn out of Hebrews chapter 11 and the corresponding uh, uh, stories and, and experiences in Scripture. Just ask that you be with us as we leave this room. In Jesus' name, amen.